He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 104 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm James Richardson and I'm joined as always with Barry O'Hanrahan. Hey Barry. Hey James, it's Masters Week. It really is and with that our Twitter handle is at PodcastGTS. The email is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. As everybody knows, we usually start with our own games, Twitter feedback, and then a review of last week. But I think because it's so exciting, because it is the Masters, I think we should just introduce Steve Bamford from GolfBettingSystem.co.uk and uh, just really crack into uh, what is the most exciting part of the week, which is uh, talking all about the Masters. Great pleasure to welcome Steve Bamford from Golf Betting System, um, who, as always, is our resident preview of the majors uh, guest uh, hey steve how are you how are you you're all right, guys not too bad thanks a million for coming on uh, I, I know the listeners love hearing your your take on the majors and uh, i suppose just in terms of the twitter handles uh, for people it's at bamford golf and at golf betting are the two twitter handles for people to kind of follow you over the course of this week and and the various weeks ahead and um I suppose, Barry, we'll start with you for a second. You've had a look. I think everybody probably knows what Augusta National looks like in terms of the course, the way it plays, kind of the length of the rough, how fast the greens are. But is there anything particular over the 7,435-yard par 72 that that you kind of are looking forward to seeing again on the TV over the next four days? Um, a bit more elaborate coverage from Sky and the, the the broadcasters over there. I'd like to see more of the the other holes on the golf course that we don't get to see an awful lot of. You know, you want you, Augusta is so synonymous with aim and corner and fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, not so much, and then eighteen. You see the you know the early par fives on the loose. had the albatross on, but I'd like to, I'd like to see a good spread across the entire course because. Seems like there's a lot of holes out there that I don't know as well as so, as others. So that's hopefully they have a really good package to bring to us this year. And uh, Steve, what is it about the Masters? Is it because it's the first one? It's we've been starved of major golf since you know August. Is it is it as special as it as as we think, or is it just because you know this is the first major of the year and and that brings its own excitement? Well, I think it's the one concern, isn't it? You know, uh, you've had that period of time since August when Jason Day wiped the floor with them at, um, at Whistling Straits. And, 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 you know, there's, all, there's always this pent-up expectation, excitement, because, you know, we want to see of the big names who's going to, you know, who's going to fire, who isn't going to fire. The course itself is just, you know, it's the most, probably the most manicured piece of property on the planet, isn't it? Um and this is the other thing, of course. You know, it's played there every year, and everyone knows the course. I do agree with Barry that you'd like to see some of the other holes, you know, featured a bit more. Um, I know that you know, the, the first hole, Bubba says it's interesting. In Bubba's interviews, he says that out of the eighteen holes, he can't get on with three of them. One of those, the first, which makes natural sense, goes to the right to the left. And you know, it, 
it's just you know a lot of the coverage in the past has been on Tiger as well. So Tiger not actually being part of the uh, event this year might actually mean that we get to see more of the golf. Well, I think the the thing about it was that it was so heavily um, restricted by Augusta National and, and the organisers that they wouldn't show a huge amount of the front nine because they wanted some secrecy or they wanted some kind of ability to control. So you didn't really see the front nine. So it is, it's interesting when you talk to people who kind of know the back nine so well and you then kind of talk about actually how difficult the front nine is and how interesting it is where like that there are different shape holes that perhaps you wouldn't associate with Augusta because we were just so absorbed with with back nine coverage over the years but in terms of the the work that's been done over the last number of years uh barry it has been lengthened they're talking about trying to lengthen it again by buying some of the the land over the next while um on a couple of holes is that the kind of way that augusta needs to protect itself or are they just kind of are they ruining what has always been such an incredible course by trying to add more length and more length and more length where kind of maybe a few more trees or a bit of rough might be the better way of doing it? They don't seem to embrace the rough in Augusta and I, I can't see them changing that at all. So it's it, it seems on the, the face of it that the only real changes they can make to the course to protect against these guys who are able to smash it out there at 350, 360 when they really lean on one a la Bubba's drive on 13 to just go clear it over the trees is to add more length to it and to do anything else to the course would change the character of Augusta as we know it with the you know one and a half inch rough the really wide fairways Um, and a lot of course what how the course is set up depends a lot on the weather in advance over the winter and coming into it as well as to whether they can get those greens up to the speeds they really want them if they can get those greens firm fast then it becomes a completely different challenge altogether and it doesn't need to be long because getting your ball to the right part of the green becomes an even more difficult task so uh, i wouldn't like to see too much more length added to it i mean as as steve says on their preview on the golf betting system website it effectively plays 7800 yards so what more do you need to add before it just becomes ridiculous and and I suppose, Steve, when Barry mentions the, the greens, which are just so synonymous with um, with Augusta, and I, and I was listening over the course of the weekend, they were talking at the uh, the Shell Houston Open that the the speed of those greens, I think, were stimping at, at 12, 12 and a half over the weekend, and that, you know, they will never admit at Augusta what Augusta greens stimp at. They just bring them up to tournament speed. Tournament speed. And and when you look at kind of, and I suppose when we talk about the skills and the attributes, is that where most of the focus for our listeners should be on players that, for putting, has to be one of their strongest aspects of the game? Or is that too simple a, a, a suggestion? I think potentially, um, I don't know, in a way, if you look at the raw stats, putting over the last few years is probably... This sounds crazy when Jordan Spieth won. I mean, last year he won with 1.59 putts per green in regulation, which, you know, completely obliterated the rest of the field. But for me, and you look at the key statistic, uh, you know, I've got a run-through here in the preview that goes live tomorrow, six years, the last six years. Greens in regulation and scrambling are more important than actual putting average. Because 
you know, for me, it's a, such a long course, you've got to hit uh, a high level of greens in regulation. I think uh, the last six years, all of the winners, including Jordan Speed, are in the top seven or eight for greens in regulation. I think the only one that bucked that trend was Charles Svartz in 2011. So, you know, greens in regulation is absolute paramount. And if you do miss a green, you know, up and down, scrambling has to be very, very effective around here. But, yeah, you know, ultimately you've got to be able to putt and bent grass, haven't you? Uh, and a lot, of, a lot of players are banned completely bamboozled by the greens year in, year out. You know, Sergio Garcia and the like. And they say, they, they, they say so often that the more you play, Augusta, especially at the green, at the, you know, at that level the more comfortable you become because there's so many small undulations, so many subtle breaks that you could be an inch or two inches to the left of another ball and it breaks completely the other way. Does experience and um, and knowledge in tournament play at Augusta hold a very key attribute to you when you're looking at some of the players, Steve, that, uh, that you would be backing this week? Well, obviously, there's the... There's the trend where you know, the last debutant winner was, uh, was Fuzzy Zeller in '79. That holds true, doesn't it? But you look at like, over the last few years, uh, Jason Day arrived here, no course experience, finished second. Uh, Mark Leishman, again, uh, went out in the last group with Owen Scotland in 20, uh, 2013. He'd never seen the course before, played in competition, came fourth. And the like, you know, year before last, Jordan Speed second. So it seems to be coming less of a uh, less of an issue, but you know, you've got to have a particularly uh, bent grass positive type of player that's going to turn up on their debut and, and contend. In my mind, I'm not so certain. Looking at the debutants this year, that there's one that really stands out for me in that kind of respect. Um, and Barry, I suppose similarly, before we look at specific players and we look at some of the more established players and guys who are going to Augusta for the first time this week, what is the single attribute that you would look for as a key is it is it ball striking is it an adam scott kind of you know greens and regulation stat or or would you back what what steve bamford is saying there that you know it's it's scrambling it's it's getting up and down oh definitely agree with steve but i think one of the key things in um a, a guy you want this week is i don't know whether the stat is actually out there steve but i'd call it disaster avoidance you just you can't. The stats say that if you win this tournament, you can't make a triple bogey throughout the week. That's an absolute disaster. But even a double bogey is extremely costly because year after year, you see you need to be in and around the top ten after thirty six holes to be able to have a chance to go on and win. And uh, I think that's a that's a key stat this week is disaster avoidance because it can be tough to pick up birdies sometimes around here and. Um, if you can just par away and then pick up the birdies when they arrive and only have the occasional bogey, then that's going to keep you close enough to where you need to be in this tournament um, to get into the you know the race on the weekend to the to the green jacket. And, and there's four four par fives on this course. Is it is it those four par fives that you're looking at for the winner to be you know a couple under at least? over the course of each of the days that you know mm. that's where the scoring comes from looking at eagles looking at birdies and actually making them is that are they if you looked at key holes would they be the, the likes of the key holes that you'd look for oh they're the ones i mean 
year on year we see it's the par fives you make your score and the par threes and the par fours if you can just play them in par or maybe a couple under you're going to be in great shape so uh but it'll be we were talking just before the show um about the par fives a little bit and how the weather might affect it so uh steve you were looking at the weather forecast for the week uh a little kind of early indications of a, a little bit of a breeze oh but yeah i've been you know i've got nothing else better to do i've been keeping my eye um, on the weather in augusta since probably the middle of last week and it's interesting to note last friday they had an absolute deluge uh, 71 millimeters of rain fell on fell on the area so that's that's a that's a hell of a lot of rain um in, in one huge long thunderstorm that lasted most of the day on friday so that undoubtedly will have an impact on green speeds now we know that they've obviously got you know some of the best sub sub air systems in the world but that's a that's a lot of rain and the forecast also looks like that it could rain from around about midnight on thursday morning right through to the start of play which again will you know that's going to be what's potentially six ten millimeters of rain before they tee off so i've got a feeling that the greens aren't going to be anywhere up to the speed that uh, the organizers actually wanted now that is, in a certain extent, is a positive for the players. But um, what we're also seeing is that there's a lot, there's a, there's a forecast for wind throughout Thursday and Friday. Now it could be gusting up to 40 kilometres an hour. So that is undoubtedly going to have an impact on the scoring. And the fact that the actual wind itself is also looking like it's either going to be a south southwesterly or a westerly wind. And when you actually look at the course and the, and the, the way that the course is set up. That means that a lot of the first six holes is going to be playing into the wind, and more importantly, when they come to Amen Corner and they play 13 and 15, those par fives are definitely going to be playing into the wind. For listeners, uh, they had the same kind of wind in 2014 on the Friday. That's the year that Bubba uh, played through that and shot 68. He was the best score of the day, shot four under. And that again, the winds that day were gusting around about 25, 30 kilometres an hour from the west. And I think the the uh, the the par fives on that particular day only averaged 4.95 or something like that. So it really does make it a you know with the dampness of the golf course, potentially not a lot of roll on the fairways, and this westerly wind. You know, I could you could potentially see something as, as small as five six under leading after thirty six holes. Over the weekend, uh, Saturday looks like it's going to be breezy at worst, and then Sunday pretty much pristine. So um, Sunday looks like it could be a real shootout. But as Barry said, it's absolutely the case. Augusta is not the place where you want to be playing catch up catch up golf because you will. You can, you know, for, you know, for every three or four birdies, there's going to be potentially a double in there. And that, I suppose, when you know, and that that's great in terms of looking at the analysis of the weather because it also then looks at, you know, where you are in the draw. You could be a bit like in the Open Championship. We talk about it a lot, where you can be on just simply unlucky. You could be the best player in the world, but you end up on the wrong side of the draw each day. You struggle, and then the guys going out either before or after you have it a little bit easier and, and, and are able to kind of show, shoot the darts at the, the, the board and, and do really well. There could be a bias here. I, I've read um, Steve Rawlings uh, from Betfair. He, he put an interesting stat in his preview yesterday where he said something along the lines of 
the most re- I think our four or five of the most recent winners have all started Thursday afternoon. Now, and there could be something in that on the basis that obviously we, we talk about wind, we talk about softness of green, but of course we also need to talk about temperature. We know around a course that's effectively playing seven eight yeah. If you've got warmer temperatures when you go out, and you can hit the ball further. Mm. There's definitely something in that. Now, Thursday looks particularly um, uh, cold. Friday, it, it starts even colder, 10 degrees around about 8 o'clock, but it warms up fairly quickly. So, I don't know. At the moment, it's difficult to say, isn't it? We're, we're recording this a little bit out. But effectively, uh, if, if the forecast holds, Thursday looks fairly constant, 23, uh, 23 25kmh, gusting up to 40 across the full day. There does look potentially that there might be a quieter window Friday morning, sort of 8 o'clock through till 11, 11.30, and then it starts ramping up again. So that could be something to bear in mind. But, you know, when you've got the best players in the world, as long as they're proficient, you know, proficient wing players and they can cope with that, you know, Jason Day, I think it was in um, it was 2013, again, there was some wind. I think it was on the Friday, he shot 68, and he went out in the worst of the wind. You know, these guys, they find a way, don't they? But, yeah, certainly something to bear in mind. And I suppose if we, if we turn our attention to the field, which I suppose we can... There, you know, it's it's one of the smaller fields for the Masters, so we won't uh, we won't spend eight hours going through everybody. So we can pick a few. But if I look at the kind of the, the general odds, and uh, again go on to golf betting system because you know there's a good spread of of kind of uh, uh, the the prices and where you can get them and 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 value that's there. But if we just take as a general, Jason Day is the current market leader. At thirteen to two, Jordan Spieth fifteen to two, Rory is eight to one, Bubba Watson ten to one, Adam Scott eleven to one, Ricky Fowler fourteen, Dustin Johnson eighteen with Phil, Justin Rose twenty two, Henrik Stenson twenty eight, Matsyama thirty three with Louis Eustazen, Charles Schwartzel thirty five to one, Patrick Reed forty to one, Sergio fifty five, Brand Snedeker is fifty five, as is Jimmy Walker and Danny Willett. And then you're looking at Paul Casey, Zach Johnson at 60, and kind of going out from there. And we'll we'll touch on a few that might be slightly further out than uh, than those. But that's that's the kind of the top end of of the market at the moment. And I suppose we might as well start with the the, the guy who's going into the week as favourite, and that's Jason Day. And uh, Barry, has he got the attributes that we you're looking at that you're talking about? Is he the kind of guy that that ticks so many boxes? Or is there one that you kind of go, eh, the weather might be a problem with him and that's something I'm going to have to wait and see? Or or what what do you like about Jason Day for this tournament or not? He he seems to have developed his own version of that tiger resilience factor and just complete determination to go make an event his own. Um, just the, the back-to-back wins he had there recently. Um, you, you could just see it in the attitude, the way he walked about the course, in his eyes, in his focus. He just, he just he wanted that tournament, he wanted those tournaments for himself, and he went and bloody well grabbed them, and it was really, really impressive. The the great combination I love about Day is that he hits the ball a mile, but even when he misses, you know, so he'll be going in with shorter clubs than a lot of the field, and even when he misses the greens, his short game is just ridiculous. It, he has no right to have a short game that good for somebody who's got that much power uh, it's it's a lethal combination uh, I, I can't see him outside the top 10 
I really can't unless his back goes again or you know an injury takes him out. But um, I don't know. What were <clears throat> what are your thoughts on Jason Day, Steve? Um, he's interesting. Jason is he's, he's got a razor sharp short game like you said he bags in a country mile isn't he um, driving accuracy around here is absolutely it's just not an issue whatsoever I mean it must you know when you've got lefty winning around it three times that becomes uh, kind of obvious you know, my only worry with Jason is um, you know can he hit enough greens um, as we said earlier you've got to you've got to be in the top six top eight of greens in regulation and I know when he went into Whiskey Straits uh, last year, he played uh, Firestone. He finished in the top ten degrees in regulation the week before. So you could see the t- you know you could see the signs that he was absolutely right for Whiskey Straits. And sure enough, you know he got the job done. His first major. That's my only doubt with Jason. Is he going to hit enough greens in the build-up? Even when he won a Bay Hill, I think he was something like twenty uh, sixth for greens in reg. Oh, he was thirty for greens in reg. Now you're not going to you're not going to win this tournament if you're going to if you're going to be 30 in greens in regulation. It doesn't matter how good your short game is, how good your putting is. You're just not hitting enough greens. In terms of his win play, all that kind of if he if he if he's been really working hard and he hits the level of greens that he hit when he debuted here, I think he was in the top 10. He's he's going to take some catching. There's no doubt about that. The only other stat I will throw in there. Um, and this is absolutely no reason not to back him is, but don't forget, no reigning world number one won here since Woods in 2002. So that's that, that's an interesting statistic. But seven to one, yeah, seven to one available, thirteen to two with Paddy. It's obviously a fair price, yeah. He he's had two top three finishes and five attempts at Augusta, so he's clearly a guy who knows how to get around. And um, do you think? I suppose, Barry, I'll ask you this. Um, do you think that coming in a world number one, the added pressure that that brings, the media, everything that that goes with a major champion, two-time winner this season, you know... Going for back-to-back three, majors. You know, two top threes. You know, he is, he is the guy who people are looking for. Is it the kind of attention that he will thrive in or will it be something that actually takes his focus away from the practice range, the, the, the game... And is that sometimes a negative for these guys that some guys who just come in a bit under the radar sometimes have a little bit easier of a, a run-in with media obligations? Yeah, he seems to embrace the, the limelight and the spotlight and very comfortable talking to the media a lot. Maybe maybe something will creep in there. Um, some journalists might mention the stat to him and it might just get into his head that you know, no number well, number one has won it since Tiger. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's hard to say how those minutiae will affect his uh, his mental game. But I I don't I can't see him outside the top ten. He's, he's certainly going to be putting up a good fight and a good show anyway. And um, I think Rory's actually slightly flying under the radar on account of Jason and Adam recently. And well, look let's let's look at Rory next. Then I suppose he's eight to one. Um, I suppose Steve, the, the the real question that has to be asked and. I think listeners to this podcast and probably to a lot of golf programs over the last number of weeks and months has been questioning Rory's, I suppose, two aspects. One, the putting and, you know, the changes that he's making now with, with the, the the grip. And I suppose the second aspect, I suppose, that I'd like your opinion on is, is what Barry said about the ability to keep nasty scores off the card where Rory, this year... 
not so much like he was last year, but he just he seems to be now throwing in that seventy four seventy five in a round, you know, over the course of a week, which just takes him a little bit too far away from really contending at the business end. Uh, those two concerns are they concerns that you'd share? Or? I think with the, uh, with the Rory, the situation is I don't know. This is how he is when he doesn't win, isn't he? He, he tends to he strings together a lot of backdoor top tens. I mean, this year though, it's been interesting, isn't it? He played Riviera for the first time, and the link between Riviera winners and here is very, very strong. And I think the course was quite soft. It rained the night before, and he, and he really liked the golf course. He was right up there, wasn't he? Didn't he take the lead? I think he took the lead in this start of round four, the final round. And then all of a sudden, he, he just he collapsed. He also was well. He was four shots clear, wasn't he, at Doral, the World Golf Championship, the Cadillac. And then that, that got frittered away. He got defensive. He said all of a sudden he, he, he got defensive mentally and they started eating the lead up. You just, I don't know with Rory, there's just something, there is a bad round in every four at the moment with him. My concern for this week, if you actually look at him, Jason Day, Jordan Speed, he is the one under the radar. Goes for the Grand Slam, obviously. Uh, the course sets up nicely for him. He was fourth last year. I know he was away behind Speed. Um, the other thing with Rory is he's got two rounds of, uh, of 67 or less around here. You know, they always say that's a very good sign. It's just whether, for me, Rory can handle those windy technical conditions Thursday and Friday. Because, you know, if level, level, level par is going to be a good score on each of those two days or one under, that doesn't tend to be the, the kind of score that Rory thrives in, if you see what I mean. Um, that's my concern with Rory this week, based on the, on the weather forecast. And, and he does have a, a fairly high ball flight as well, which I suppose has gone to... To go against him, he, he's, I think, exercised the demons of, of 2011, Barry, and you, you're, you're looking back at 2011, he didn't play the par threes, decided this week he's not playing the par three, he's going to concentrate. He does have the slam, and I suppose a bit like Phil when he turns up to try and get his slam, that itself puts a lot of pressure on, on the shoulders of these players. Is it something that Again, because this is the one he really, really wants. You know, he's been very honest about it. It, it slipped by in 2011. He's going back, not playing the par three this week. He's made the changes to the putting. Does that all build to a lot of pressure, both on the short game, the putting, you know, go, going for the slam? Is that something that... His own internal pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, that, that it's, it's, it's pressure he's putting on himself rather than, than anywhere else. It, you know, because we've seen how hard it's been for Phil to get over the line. This is something that is so rare in golf mm. to get this Grand Slam. And, and he really wants it. And does that in itself lead to an extra level of pressure every time April comes around? Every time it will, yeah, for sure. Until he gets one, if he ever gets one. Uh, I, I think... I think some parts of his game that haven't been firing properly this year, like his his disaster avoidance is not good this year. He's thrown in double bogeys for fun. Um, I think so. I think something might creep in and just affect his chances to win. Um, and, you know, the putting hasn't had a full test now, albeit the greens won't be at their usual, whatever, tournament speed this week. So that's not going to, they're not going to be as difficult as they could be to put a test on his new putting stroke. But I, uh, I don't know. I mean... It, 
he took the week off last week, maybe sharpened things up, maybe he's got his game in the right shape, but there's just too many doubles in there for my liking at the moment, and couple that with the wind, um, I think he might do a backdoor top 10. And, and I suppose at 8-1, to one, it kind of reflects roughly where he probably is in his game at the moment and where he kind of stands within the in, in the world golf. But let's let's kind of, I don't want to say finish the trifecta here because there's actually about seven trifectas you can go to. But let's look at the reigning champion. Let's look at Jordan Spieth. He's played this place twice, won by a country mile last year, broke a huge amount of records, looked so composed. But we also have to look back at 2014 where he was finished second. This is a guy who hasn't finished outside the top two in the Masters. He's had a difficulty, Steve, in terms of, you know, struggled a little bit this year. He's talked himself about the struggles he's put uh, or the pressure he's put on himself. Have you seen any signs over the last couple of weeks at, at the Shell? Any of the, the current tournaments that he's played in that just says to you, do you know what, he's, he might just start firing those pistons in the perfect moment for Augusta. Well, he really tried. Uh, he really tried Sunday, didn't he? Closing, he, 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 he was uh, was he four or five under in the, in the final round, and then all of a sudden that, that got whittled away again. He actually was uh, in the field last week. The putting average, he was number one in the field, so his putting isn't the issue. The issue with Jordan at the moment, this is this is going back to last year and the form that he found himself in. If you remember, obviously won a Copperhead. Uh, he, he then went to. Uh, TPC San Antonio finished second to Walker there, went to Shell second there in a playoff to J.B. Holmes. He was actually hitting greens in regulation. And it was interesting, before he went to Houston last year in his interview before the tournament, he said, I'm here to trim the fat. He knew exactly where he was, he knew where his game was. When you listen and you read interviews with him now, he seems kind of confused. He's talking about you know, issues off the course, you know, distractions. For me, he's not in the same kind of place, and, and I think the bookmakers share that view. Over here, uh, we've got Labrooks and Cole now. You can get ten to one on Jordan. So, for me, I don't think he's in the shape. But this is an interesting thing with the trifecta. You talk about this kind of situation. If you want each way backer, can you see Jason Day being not in the top six or seven? Can you see Rory McIlroy not being around that kind of location? Jordan can get involved and all of a sudden that's eating into a lot of each way places on players that you can't back each way effectively so you know this this new kind of betting situation in golf can be very difficult because effectively you've got Spieth McElroy Day Bubba Watson Adam Scott all shorter or at 12 to 1 and that's five players who you know looking at looking at how they're playing at the moment and they're four you, know, you can't see many of those not being right in the mix. It's an interesting situation. But for me, Jordan Speed, I, I don't personally see him defending this week, no. Steve, speaking of all the guys who are you know in good form and you know us projecting them to be in the mix, can you, uh, I certainly can't, but can you remember a year when so many big names and top players were in such great form going into the Masters? I, I just think it's staggering this year and making it very difficult to pick somebody who's going to win. this week he's, he's 18 with paddies he's been playing some consistent golf 
you've got your friend Henrik Stenson, who's obviously he's been second the last couple of outings. There's a, all of the top guys at the moment are putting a real effort in. There's absolutely no doubt, and I can't remember a year like that. And you, you've named, you know, we've looked at kind of, I suppose, three particularly, but you've named there Phil, uh, uh, Bubba Watson, Ricky Fowler, Justin Rose, Dustin Johnson, particularly, you know, Matsuyama. Here, there, there's, there's five, four or five more, six more guys who we could spend hours on this podcast stowing why Adam Scott could win it over Rory or Jordan or Bubba. But out of the others, you know, the likes of your your Adam Scotts, Fowler, Dustin Johnson, Phil, Justin Rose, Henrik Stenson, Matsuyama, which of them all, like, you know, and that's the problem, I, and that's, I suppose, and that's not even talking about Charles Swartzel, who's on good form, Danny Louis Dawson, and there's so many players in this field, outside of the big names that we've just talked in depth at, who is it that's jumping off the page for you? I suppose we take it that the weather is bad. Who then are you looking at? Is it Dustin Johnson with his sheer power from last week that could just, you know, kind of try and tame the course like a Bubba Watson did over the time that he won it? Like, it is, it's a great point that Barry makes. It's just so hard to make a call and say, this is the guy who's going to come forward. But I'm going to ask you who you think will come forward out of the, the also rounds. Guys outside the top five, so I'm including Bubba and Adam in that, you know, just because they're all around that 12 to 1 mark. If you're looking at the guys working down from there, statistically, uh, the way he plays the game, the form that he's in, the amount of greens he's hitting, the way that he's adding distance to his game, the way that he's had top fives, top sixes on the golf course, but he just hasn't strung those, those four rounds together as yet. Ricky Fowler. Um, Ricky Fowler, at, uh, he's 14s with Paddy Power. You can grab 18s, um, uh, 18 available with Bet365, Bet Victor right now. Um, he ticks all the boxes for me, Ricky Fowler. Dustin Johnson, I fear that Dustin just doesn't hit enough greens around here. He always seems to struggle hitting greens. I think for me, um, I know Ricky Fowler plays a baby fade, but Ricky is a natural. He, he can play the ball both ways. Um, for me, Dustin, and it's noticeable in his driving distance stats at Augusta, and it's out 297 he averages around here virtually every year, and that suggests to me someone that isn't comfortable with the left, with the right to left draw, um, because he's not giving it full beans around here on the draw, on the driving distance, so I don't think he's particularly comfortable here. So for me, Dustin's the one I, one I, I would walk away from. Phil is an enigma. I never called him right. I tipped him up last week. Um, if it, to be fair to him, if, if he had, I know this sounds ridiculous, but this is what you were saying about double bogey avoidance, uh, disaster avoidance. If he hadn't wasted five shots on the sixth last week, he'd been right in the mix. But in his interview before or during the tournament, he said he was always using last week as a test whereby he was going to play full throttle like he needs to do at Augusta. Now that might change as well, of course, this idea of having to be, play attacking golf for 72 holes because of the win. So Phil, you know, twenty to one, he's got a great chance as always. Whether he can go back to back year on year, and we know the we know the rule about forty year olds. Interesting for Henry Stenson, doesn't he become third? I think he becomes forty on Tuesday or tomorrow, doesn't he? He is forty tomorrow, yeah. So that's Bob, Bobby's stat. No, um... that, that's a negative, isn't it, on, on Henry? 
Did no, you send no, the birthday card? Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, and a present, and yeah, everything. No, but yeah, Bo- Bobby's stat, which he always goes on about, is nobody has won a major on US soil who was over the age of 40 since the year 2000. Well, Vijay Singh was, I think. Through being 40, or do you have to be, you know, as soon as you tick on to 40, that, that's the rule. No, I think, I think that's it for Henrik, to be honest. But uh, rules are there to be broken. Yeah, absolutely. But talk, talking about Phil, and I think it was interesting, his, his post-round on Sunday interview where he said, similar to what you're, you're saying, uh, Steve, is that last week at the, the Shell Houston Open, he should have played a lot of three woods. That's, that was his comment. I, I, I really should have hit a lot of three woods. I'd have played the course differently if I was here to win it. But I wasn't here to win it this week. I was here to get the game ready for next week at Augusta. And... That's why I took driver, because I'm going to have to take driver next week. His sole focus, clearly, over the last number of weeks, has been getting the game ready for next week. For, well, now this week, for the Masters. It's interesting that he has been solely focused on that, even this week, where there were times that he had chances to actually contend at the Shell Houston, but was willing to forgo that in getting the game ready. And this season, we've seen a different Phil. You know, he, he seems to be slightly less erratic, a little bit tidier with the driver. Short game is obviously always there. In fact, you know, you could argue that he wasn't as aggressive this week with the short game that he could have possibly been. But I don't think at, at, at what is he, you're saying, kind of 18, 20 to 1. He's the kind of guy who will, in my opinion, be there or thereabouts. And he knows how to win. What's he going for? His fourth major uh, green jacket. You know, we're looking at three, three, one, top ten, one, twenty-fourth, five, five, one. Like, there's so much good at Augusta by by Phil that I I think that if anybody's going to book that trend of the forty over and winning it, it's it's going to be him. Definitely, I can see that. Eleven rounds of sixty-seven or under around him. That's incredible. The other there's the other stats that are fascinating with him is he top scoring average this year. Yeah which is pretty incredible based on the fact that we said, you know, so many good players playing well this year. Third in bogey avoidance. Yeah, there, there's some very compelling numbers there, isn't it? Tenth in par, par breakers. So, yes, you know, there, there are a lot worse 20-1 to one shots out there than, uh, than Phil Mickelson. Um, if there is someone that could buck the trend, if there's someone that, uh, that can get the job done and, and he's likely to be in contention, he won't have any trouble with the win. He's a, he's a fantastic win player, we know that. My only, I don't know, with, I, I, got, I, called wrong, I called him wrong again last week. I thought he'd be so desperate to get that monkey off his back and get in a tour of victory. I thought he'd really go for it last week. But he, he obviously had that mental uh, choice made that he was going to throttle back last week and go for it this week, which makes him a real dangerous animal, doesn't it? Mm. And and if you look, like you know, you can you just keep going at the at, at the, the board. But let let's look at some of the more local guys, the likes of Justin Rose. He was second last year, hasn't won anything this year at this stage. Has been quiet. Has has yeah, but is quite good. Is that is that somebody you know that is very much under the radar? If we're talking that Rory or some of the other guys are coming in under the radar, maybe Justin is exactly. That you know that nobody's talking about him, but maybe there's a reason why we're not. That he just hasn't shown enough form over the, the this part of the season so far to be realistically contending. Not not showing form or before the Masters always scares me a bit. Um, 
like you see on tour every week, you know, Jim Herman there on the weekend sh- shows it to you. Like, wasn't Conan in with much form at all? It was a five missed cuts in a row, I think. Yeah, there you go. Standard fare, you know, easy to predict winners on the PGA Tour. But that's these guys are that good that they can come along and turn it on on any given week. Um, I, I don't know about Justin. It just, maybe it's because he hasn't been featuring in the headlines at all, so he hasn't really come into my thoughts as a possible Masters winner uh, this year. Um, what are your thoughts on him, Steve? I'm, not, I'm a bit confused. I think his fall 12 months on is exactly the same as it was last year when he actually finished second, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He's been he's very quiet, but you actually look at his stats, he's very solid, hitting lots of greens in regulation, probably not as many as he potentially would like. Um, the only thing that potentially puts me off with Justin is uh, if you compare if you compare his performances with the putter to he, he went to Houston last year and he had I think he was he putted at something like I don't know, half a stroke, point six of a stroke. Uh, positive in terms of his putting. I don't think his putt is quite as warm as it was last year. The thing with Roses, and it's, it's interesting, I put it, I put that in the, um, I, I, I basically list since 2008 all the, the amount of um, victories on Ben Grass Greens. And uh, Rory McIlroy tops it with six, and then with five wins since 2008, I'm talking PGO Tour only, Jason Day, Zach Johnson, Justin Rose. So we just know that Ben Grass Greens is where he comes alive, undoubtedly. He reminds me very much of last year. I don't think he'll struggle with the wind. And the fact that he's going to be potentially technical in terms of scoring those first two days could keep him right in the mix. So, yeah, I can see I can see a lot of positives with Justin. And if you're looking for value, kind of the 25 and out, it, it, there is value there to be had, I suppose, with them as well, if you're looking at some of the other players as, as yeah. quite short. You know, he's twenty five he's twenty five to one with Sky Bet eight places each way. You know, that's 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 a very high percentage bet, isn't it? Mm, yeah, for sure. Come here, just quickly because, you know, well, I'm part owner of the show. Why what make a case for Henrik Stenson or make it against him? Just because he is featuring so much recently and people will be considering him as a bet. He hasn't got a great finishing record in Augusta, even though he can go out and shoot the good numbers. He seems to have uh, an inability to avoid for the disaster avoidance uh, in Augusta. He's he's got the attributes that we want this week. You know, he's a high greens and regulation player. Um, he turns forty tomorrow. That's that's all you that's need it, to know, Barry. That's that's <laughs> gone. <laughs> do, do you think? Do you think, Steve? What do you he think? has a lot of money riding on this, which always enjoys. You know, when when it just goes so south by. Thursday afternoon, yeah, and you realise that he's in real trouble. But go on, uh... so the natural draw to golf ball. That's a positive, isn't it? Henry? My concern with him is always the fact, and I know that Johnny Miller was talking about this yesterday on his commentary. He just, yeah, you know, he's 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 driving with with the driver is terrible. So he has to go to the three, the three wood all of the time, and that for me is a major weakness around him. When you've got Bubba banging at three fifty. Um, cutting corners and, and you've got the likes of Jason Day doing exactly the same Rory McIlroy and you've got Henrik I know that he's, he's still a 300 plus driver with the three wood but that's a, that's a lot of yardage to be giving up on those par fives and I think ultimately it catches up with him and, and I think that you know when we we talked earlier about the, the, the four par fives being critical you know that that's really where Guys like Bubba are hitting a lot shorter uh, clubs into into that, giving them a lot better opportunities. That 
perhaps Henrik Stenson for people who are interested in, in wasting their money this week <laughs> uh, probably should look and see what kind of way he's playing over the course of a couple of the practice rounds is he using the driver or is he sticking with the, his trusty three wood because if it's with the three wood maybe that's leaning towards what you're saying Steve about I you saw, know, a concern I saw him hit quite a few drivers there at the Houston Open so uh, and as soon as I mentioned it to Bobby and Alan in the Viber thread of course I said oh he's been he's been hitting the driver pretty well he goes and carves one miles right so that was the jinx but I saw him hit quite a few and quite a few big ones so it's it's whether the bad one costs him a double or a triple bogey and that just pretty much rules him out of the tournament so uh, it remains to be seen anyway let's move on to other golfers because I would dominate the rest of the conversation about well, Henrik I, 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 think, I think what we should move on to is let's start putting our colours to the mast here and saying look we know you're all over Henrik Stenson because you can't not be and um, I I actually quite like Dustin Johnson I, I, I just think that he might break through but Steve from your perspective I'll ask the question in two parts one if the weather is as bad as we think it will be who would you be looking at and if the weather changes to the kind of the general weather of Augusta that we usually look at who in that field would be somebody you think should uh, should be looked at, looked at very closely I suppose it, it depends on a punter's strategy. If you're a punter that's happy to make a profit this week, then you'd be happy with a nice each-way return. You're only going to back one player. Yeah, for me, Adam Scott, twelve to one, just shouts from the rooftops. Uh, I, I can't see a player of Adam's consistency, uh, a player that's playing so well as he is, not finishing in the top eight. If you're going to place that bet with Skybet, he's twelve to one with Skybet at the moment. Um, so if, if you're going for a one-off. Uh, a horse to make a profit, 12 to 1 on Adam Scott, for me, is a fantastic bet. If, if you said to me, who do you think is the most likely to win, that wouldn't be Adam Scott. I, I think Adam, going back-to-back prior, uh, in, you know, on the Florida swing, I, I, I just think Adam, I, I don't see him winning you know, three times in five outings, something like that. That isn't for me. The, the person most likely to win is potentially Jason Day. I think Ricky Fowler's got a massive say in it as well this this year, just looking at his statistics. If you're looking for a little bit of value, um, I think you could do a lot worse than Hideki Matsuama at forty to one. And if you're looking for someone that's really, you know, or players that are a bit more value than that, if the par fives aren't going to be reachable across Thursday and Friday, that really brings someone like Zach Johnson into the game. He's he's, he's finding some form now with the new clubs. Greens and regulation are a great number, sixty to one available on Zach. I also like the, uh, the like of, or I like the look rather of Mark Leishman, the Aussie at uh, seventy to one as well. And, and that's definitely where the big value is, especially uh, you know when you when you look at some of them, like as you say, the each way bets around the likes of Adam Scott and um, Barry. I suppose the same question, you know, I suppose answered by Steve. Who are you looking at? You know, if you take your Henrik Stenson cap off for the moment and look at it. Are you looking for that guy each way that will make you some money or are you looking to hit the bullseye and pick the winner? Two different types of strategies there, but maybe not the same uh, Not the same outcome in terms of players. Yeah, well, I've loaded up on Stenson for my win bet, but beyond that, because there's so many of the big guys there, thereabouts in the short odds in terms of form and putting their hand up for who wants to win that green jacket, I'm going to go look for a little bit of value further down the market. So... 
Um, another favourite of mine is Ryan Moore. He's also playing those PXG clubs, the ones that Zach Johnson has. Um, yeah. He's been he's been playing all right recently. Um, good wind player. Um, so he's available at pretty reasonable, uh, up to 125 to one. But he's 100 to one with Skybet for eight places. So I'll definitely be putting a few euro on him. I think the eight places is fantastic for the Masters, and I'm I'm really surprised not uh, not more of the market has followed towards it. There's still quite a few of the bookies uh, only paying five places, and that's not a fifth odds as well. That's quarter odds, so it's very good. Uh, another one, a ball striker who's shown a bit of form this year, uh, and he's available quite far out as well. Jason Duffner, and and he was pointed out to me by um, a friend of mine who's uh, Stephen O'Connor. He's at Sock Three Hundred Online. He he does a lot of golf previews as well, and uh, he's pretty tidy punter also. So I usually follow uh, his tips and advice. So yeah, they, I'm going to go with those three, and uh, usually by the end of my betting, I have about eight or nine golfers in the field. I think last year I had 10% of the field, so uh, I'm going to try to restrain myself a little bit more this year. I think it feels like a different dynamic with the, the amount of good golfers in form. You probably, you know, you're going to struggle to get these outside guys into the places, but those are my two picks for the outsiders. I suppose when we when we look beyond that, there is quite a few other kind of not novelty bets, but there are other bets that that, that people can get involved in. And I suppose Steve, the likes of the first round leader, you know, I think from what you're saying about the weather, it's unlikely that the the course record is going to be beaten this week or the tournament record. But is there anything else there that, like, looking at a, a, a kind of the, the first round leader, is there anybody that you kind of say, you know? the likes of a Bernhard Langer or somebody that kind of goes, there's a guy who actually could end up putting in a stellar first round and then just wilt pretty quickly afterwards. But big odds, good odds, worth a punt. Freddie Couples and Kel Cabrera every year. <laughs> it's not going to be Freddie because he pulled out with a bad back. Himself. It has indeed. Barry didn't check the, uh, the the news wires before coming on air today. It's, it's fine. I get to edit the show. I'll cut that out. The way we work over, over here at Golf Bets is, is Paul always does the uh, the extended uh, market bets, and I know that he's looking for a market without the top three. I don't know if the bookmakers are going to come up with that. That could be something that the, the listeners will find interesting if that happens. First round leader, you probably you know, I know someone that's been far that's starting really fast. He did well here last year. Charlie Hoffman, one that always jumps out at me. Um, you just know with Charlie, he's not going to hang around when it really comes down to the death. But he finished top 10 last year, his first major top 10. Likes the golf course. Um, whether the conditions suit him, who knows. That's that's the difficulty this year, isn't it? It's going to be building into your first round leader plans, exactly how that golf course is going to be playing with those high wind. And I suppose, like, you know, there is a lot of choice out there and people can look, but uh, Steve, you, through Golf Betting System, you have quite a few um, good offers that people can 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 buy into and get going at if they go onto the the GolfBettingSystem.co.uk website. And do you want to just outline kind of what what's available for people as bonuses or or kind of? Let's take through, let's take through a couple of best bookmaking promotions. Betway, um, they've got a, a Golf Betting System exclusive, so you won't get it on uh, odds check or anything like that. Basically, they're doing a genuine 10 places each way bet if you sign up a new account by a golf betting system. Uh, new customers only. You can. Uh, it's, a t- it's a 10 pound or 10 euro each way bet, which is quite chunky. And the, a- the actual uh, 
the actual winnings are paid in cash, so that's a very attractive offer, 10 places each way. And as we've said, Skybet, the genuine eight places each way, caught the odds. Uh, the Betway is also caught the odds. Uh, with Skybet, eight places each way, caught the odds, uh, available both to new customers if you sign up with Skybet, but also to their existing customers. That's a fantastic shell. If you sign up by a golf bank system, it's, uh, it's a £40 free bet package that we offer with them. They're basically four £10 free bets or €10 Euro free bets. If you go direct to Skybet, you only get the standard £20 offer. So Skybet, fantastic. I'll also point out to you, uh, Betfair Sportsbook are going 25 to 1, Jason Day, in terms of win-only bet. And I must just go through the majors competition that we run every year. £250 of free bets at goldbettingsystem.co.uk, uh, sponsored by Bet365. I know you guys enter every year. You can enter either via our Gold Betting System Facebook group. Uh, we've got over 3,000 punters on there now. Or you can email us at feedback at goldbettingsystem.co.uk. All we want to know is it's a one-and-done competition for different players for the four majors. Obviously, the cut-off time is first tee-off on Thursday. Prizes are £150, £75 and £25 of free bets with Bet365. So, yeah, our majors competition, all we need to know is your four different players for the four majors this year. Well, it's popular. We've already, we've already got over 200 entries, guys. Wow, awesome. And Come here. Quickly, you've dodged the question because you were asking us, who are you picking for the this Masters, James? Uh, I, I actually think that Ricky Fowler is the one to do it. I think he's just consistent. He's shown good form. I think he's he's got the game, and I think he's gone in under the radar. Um, I think all the attention is going to be on Jordan. It's going to be on Jason. It's going to be on Rory, and I think Ricky might just... Uh, slowly plot away you know and uh, I don't think he's going to charge out in front I don't think he's going to be leading it after the first round but I think he will put a solid four rounds together and come back nine Sunday I think he will be there or thereabouts and it depends who he is trying to run down or trying to get down Uh, you know if if it is a big player like Rory if it's uh, Bubba Watson and he's too far behind then that's going to be a problem but I don't think he'd be in the last group come Sunday, mm. but I do think that he could uh, he could be the one that breaks through. I, th- I think he sees himself as a big time player now. You know, th- okay, the major is that one final mental hurdle he has to kind of I suppose get over or make himself feel like he's really be- belonging to that that elite crew. But uh, he certainly has the game, and I am. Um, I'd be very happy to see him win. He's really entertaining to watch play golf so I'd be a very popular winner like if you look at the last 10 events okay you missed missed the cut 10 events ago but like you're you're talking a, a player who has gone uh, 2nd 6th 8th 38th and 10th you know that's that's pretty consistent and mm. it's it's just bubbling nicely and they talk about no mental fatigue in terms of winning he hasn't done that he's been close and I, I think he uh, I think he's the one that I'd be looking at um, and then your usual in betting and running I, I think so. I, I, I've, I've, I've done the Angel Cabrera usual kind of each way because he's just one that's perennial uh, player who seems to be around. I, I, I actually think from the point that both yourself and Steve have made repeatedly over the course, this is so wide open that there's a part of me that just feels like putting a little bit of a bet on, sitting back, putting the feet up for four days mm-hmm. and just really enjoying it. And, mm-hmm. and if I see somebody who I think is actually making a charge in the middle of the field... 
come Thursday or Friday that I might jump on that bandwagon before the odds get slashed. But I think it might just be one of those years that I might just sit back, relax, enjoy it, and just... It's just so, so crowded. And what I, I would hope, and I think that I'm sure yourself and Steve would, would, would be of the same, and I think all our listeners, we want to see a shootout in the last couple of groups of your Jordans, your Rory's, your Rickies, your Jason Days, you know, your Adam Scott's. I'd love the top 15 players in the world to be going off in the last seven or eight groups. I, I want to see them bunch together. I want to see how they react to each other and who comes through. I don't want to see a Jordan Spieth mm. blowing the field apart and then kind of going on championship back nine Sunday going, well, this is just, you know, he just has to coast in. I'd love to see every par could be the difference between winning or losing it and, and a leaderboard changing constantly. I think with the conditions, I, mean, I, I say you're probably on the same page, Steve. I think with the conditions going to be played tough, it's going to bunch the field up quite a lot and you will have quite a lot of guys in the hunt come Sunday. I think, I think the conditions are perfect. You know, if it was, if it was uh, going to be a tranquil, placid, soft, you know, you can see Rory or Jason Day running off and hiding. Um, with, with the wind, with the technical side of things coming Thursday, Friday, I can see a very bunch leaderboard. And that's, that's going to make for you know, a very exciting weekend viewing, especially on the Sunday. That low score, or the high, relatively high scoring as well, does actually fall into someone like Ricky Fowler's hands and Justin Rose. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they don't tend to they don't tend to win at resorts type type scoring. You know, anything around that 11, 12, 13 under under par mark is you know right in that wheelhouse. You know. I'm going to make a bold prediction that I hope I don't have to take back next week. I think this is going to be one of the all-time great masters. I think this will be one of those ones at 2016 where you, you look back in the film in years to come and that one hour or two hour special on it will be just give you butterflies and ting- spine tingles you know, for how good it was. Well, maybe after 20 years since the Faldo win and the Greg Norman collapse, we will be talking about 2016 and 20 years' time of something of such magnitude that it is mm. so memorable. I suppose that does bring us towards the conclusion of the... the the preview of the first major of the Masters um, for 2016. And I suppose it's just, as always, Steve, um, thanks a million for your input. It, it, it's invaluable, just the sheer knowledge base and, and all of the work that goes into looking at not just this event, but every event on golf betting system. It is an absolute treasure trove for anybody who, even if they're not betting, mm. but just want to get a really good idea of what the tournament is going to hold each week, the type of course, who might be uh, contending and just as it even just as a guide to every event it, it is a superb website people who want to follow you it's at Bamford Golf on Twitter and uh, your partner in crime at Golf Betting is at Golf Betting who, uh, who, who also has some great stuff on that we're going to tweet and we're going to put up on the Facebook and everything mm-hmm. all of the stuff about the competition and uh, yeah. I, I think we'll be having to scratch our head and really come up with the four winners of the majors for this year uh, to try and get that great great prize through the golf betting system fantasy comp. Don't we? Yeah, that's on the Facebook page, the Facebook group. So another yes. another brilliant resource with a phenomenal uh, wealth of betting knowledge on that group. It's, it's oh, yeah, There's guys on there know far more than I do. But it's interesting, the, the majors this year, you've got, you know, you've got some very, um, you know, oak bomb, the US Open, there's some absolute beautiful courses that they're playing, some challenging courses, and also, 
you know, power and newer greens and all this kind of intricacy moving forward. So that you know the majors going forward, uh, the four majors are going to be very. Uh, I think well, the way that golf is at the moment, you know, we, we're going to have this over across four different weeks, and then you've got the Olympics, you've got the Ryder Cup. It's a fantastic year. It, it really is, and and. It won't be too long before we're talking again, previewing perhaps the, the, the Players' Championship, but certainly the next major after that, the, the, the US Open. And golfbettingsystem.co.uk is the website. At Bamford Golf is the Twitter handle, and at Golf Betting, and you'll find everybody, uh, you'll find Golf Betting as well on Facebook. Um, so it's well worth checking out. I hope everybody else enjoyed that aspect of it as much as we did. So uh, thanks a million, Steve, and we'll talk to you for the next major. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the Masters. That was a cracking preview show, as always, and it pains us to keep it to just the hour, as we could pick his brains all day. We can't recommend their site enough and all the fantastic in-depth research that Steve and Paul do every week. Get following them on Twitter and check out their website, golfbettingsystem.co.uk. Their Twitter handles are at Bamford Golf and at Golf Betting. And don't forget to get involved with the Facebook group, Golf Betting System, where there's a wealth of expert uh, bettors there and superb competitions all of the time, including their current majors competition. On the subject of competitions, in last week's episode where we spoke with John Maguire, CEO of Game Golf, the best shot tracking system in the market, we said we'd have details of a fantastic competition this week, and well, it's here and it's huge. So Game Golf have been superstars and have put up a prize that everybody will be dying to get. The prize is one of their new Game Golf Live systems. This is their most outstanding and game-changing product yet. Not only this, but the prize is signed by one of our own US Open champion Graham McDowell, or GMAC as many of you will know him. He also plays with Game Golf himself and gave us a great present this week when he posted a practice round from Augusta. And not only will the winner receive a signed Game Golf Live system, they will also receive a Game Golf shirt signed by GMAC himself. So you can put that on your wall or wear it out to the course and lord it over your friends. It's a fantastic prize, and we're so grateful to Game Golf and to John and David, who've been great with their time with us in the last couple of weeks for the interview and getting this competition set up. So, to be in with a chance to win, we've set up a challenge on GameGolf.com. The challenge is called A Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast and can be found in the challenges section of GameGolf.com. It's an over-under par competition and the competition is really not about getting the best score. It's about participation. So the competition is open to everybody. It's not about the best score, as I said, though we will have a small prize for the best score as that should be rewarded. It's open to both current game golfers and new game golfers. There are no exclusions with the exception of myself and James, who are obviously disappointed about it, but we'll be competing all the same to give you all something to beat or something to slag us about in the smack talk section of the challenge, which uh, we're particularly excited about. You can find the challenge in the Game Golf Challenges section. You can search for it. It's there. It's called A Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'll also tweet the link to the challenge so you can get there directly to it. To get your name in the draw to win this fantastic prize, what you need to do is to sign up to Game Golf if you aren't signed up already, post around through the app or by using your current Game Golf tag system, whichever one you own, and then upload your round to Game Golf and tweet a picture of it. Important this is, you need to tweet a picture of it and include at podcast GTS 
and at game golf and hashtag golf in your tweet. So that's tweet a picture of your round to at podcast GTS at game golf and hashtag golf in the tweet. The competition is going to be open until the 2nd of May. So you've plenty of time to get a round in and uploaded and tweeted to us to be in with a chance to win the signed game golf live system and shirt by Graham McDowell. So the details are on the challenge page in case you've missed any of these. We'll be mentioning the competition every week and the details of how to enter. And we'll also be tweeting about it, including the direct link to the challenge. Good luck, everybody, and have fun exploring game golf and how it can benefit your game. We certainly are looking forward to seeing what it can do for our game and get us to single figures this year. And as they say in game golf, let the smack talk begin. Okay, James, back over to you to wrap up our Masters 2016 preview show. If anybody would like to get in contact with us, the Twitter handle is at podcastgts, a good talk spoiled, at gmail.com is the email. Let us know what your thoughts and your views of the Masters are, who you're backing, who you're not, and if there's any good value that we've missed in the preview. I hope that everybody enjoys watching it as much as we do. If you're playing next week, enjoy the golf. If you're not, enjoy watching it. And uh, next week we're going to sit down and have a long discussion of who the new uh, Masters Champion 2016 is. And we'll look back at the other golfing events over the course of the last couple of weeks. Bye-bye, huh? Well, goodbye. Bye-bye.